Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rosillo and my guest today is Alex Pitichelli. Super, super cool dude. So one thing you'll notice, this episode was actually probably taped a couple months ago at this point, but uh, ran into a little bit of trouble, but it's fine now, so we're getting released and very grateful that I had Alex on the show. He was so much fun. Just such a smart, smart dude and getting to hear his stories about PR and what they've been doing and how he's moved to Burke and the places he stopped along the way. I think that part is also extremely important and how he got to where he got to. So it was very grateful. I'm very grateful I got to have the conversation with Alex and we've become good friends, um, you know, always checking in, especially with all the stuff going on. So really, really grateful I got to talk to him. But without further ado, here is Alex Pitichelli. Today, I have Alex Pitichelli on the show for the love of sports. He's the VP of sports at Burke Communications, formerly the PR manager at New Era Caps. Cap or Caps? Ah, uh, Cap. New Era it Cap. Is? Really? That's interesting. Yep. Just Cap. Singular. Yeah, interesting. And rose to account director at Allison Partners. As you know, PR manager there, how often did you have to deal with the, the no S and S in that? Uh, you know what? I actually think the bigger thing with New Era was more just people saying New Era versus New Era Cap. And I think that was always kind of an interesting conversation because if you look at, you know, like people talk about things in terms of it's a new era um, versus like new era cap. And then you have like Lamar Jackson, who I think his Twitter handle is like new era eight. Um, so, you know, I think that was always kind of something that we had to stress rather than it just being new era, it was new era cap. Interesting. Was that ever a, did anyone ever bring that up to him or did you guys look out for a deal in that sense? Cause I feel like that's a pretty easy deal to make at that point. Uh, no, you know, I think, um, our football team was always very strategic about who they brought in as ambassadors. And, um, we had Jimmy G at the time that I was there and he was awesome for the brand and it's a huge fan of the brand. So I know they really wanted to stick with somebody who had a, a an authentic connection, not to say Lamar doesn't. Um, but you know, I think, uh, Jimmy G is a really great, was a great fit for us at the time. Very cool. Yeah, I'm always I'm always curious about that, especially the in-house side. But um, obviously, you've done a lot of stuff, Alex. And that's why I was really excited to get you on here. As I said, VP of Sports at Burke Communications, not messing around. And if I'm not mistaken, I just saw that Burke has a job opening. So, you know, hey, if something's still open, I'll make sure to let people know about it. And I maybe even throw it in the show notes in case you guys don't get something out by, I don't know, this should come out probably next week as of recording. So pretty easy. But Alex, the first question I have for you is, why do you love sports so much? Uh, you know what? I grew up going to a boys and girls club as a kid, uh, in their after school program. And, uh, we lived, breathed sports back then. I think it was me and a group of like five to 10 other kids who were just gym rats, hanging out, basketball, dodgeball, football, anything really you could name. And that it's always just been a big part of my life. Um, also grew up as a Pats fan. My dad was a season ticket holder. So we used to grow up watching the Patriots game every Sunday. My family are big Red Sox fans. So I think it was kind of just something that I was born into, but then, you know, going to the boys and girls club really fostered it because they ran all the leagues. Uh, they did all the fantasy football stuff for us back then. And, you know, I don't have enough good things to say about the boys and girls club. So shout out to those guys, but, uh, you know, it really helped foster my love of sports. And now it's just been something that's been a huge part of my life. And I'm excited to say that, it, you know, I've been able to turn it into a job. 
yeah, a career and a pretty darn good one. Um, and I'm sure you're going to continue to go in that direction, which I think is really cool. Um, it's always interesting to speak with someone at your level, especially because you got there relatively quickly, um, give or take. Uh, obviously, you worked extremely hard to get here, so obviously well-deserved. Um, you said something that kind of caught my attention. What did the Boys and Girls Club do with fantasy football, out of curiosity? Uh, yeah, so we had a uh, – they used to run programs for us, and one of the things that they used to start was actually doing fantasy football. One of the staff members there would run a pool for some of the members. It was more like you would win candy at the end of the year instead of money back then, but – I think the funny thing about it too is like we did it before they used to do it by hand before some of the like the computer systems that we'd actually we wouldn't know our scores we just drafted players and they used to like do everything by hand and then we'd kind of see how things netted out each week and it was a blast uh, but then you know they moved we all had like Yahoo logins by the time I was in like sixth seventh grade so then they started doing it online so they used to do a lot of programs like that too it was fantasy football fantasy baseball which. I kept trying to keep up with it. It was just really hard. Basketball, um, March Madness. So we had all, it was a lot of really good programs for the members back then. And it was fun. And obviously we won like a candy bar at the end of it. That's pretty cool. That is, I've never, never heard of that, especially that young. Um, but I'm real curious. I want to see the, the uh, shadowy underbelly of the Boys and Girls Club. The one that is dealing in money. I'm real curious about that one. I'm sure uh, all good people. Um, so we're not saying anything, but you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I'm sure maybe someone out there is thinking about it at least. But Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then also you said your dad had season tickets to the Pats. You're a huge Sox fan. Was this before the Pats got good so that we can call him a real fan or yeah yeah okay. no totally before the Pats got cool, good cool, cool. um my dad since the early 90s and uh I think you know we we were fans during I the my first memories of the Patriots are actually during the Pete Carroll years um so take that for whatever you whatever you will obviously there are a lot of Parcells guys left on that team but that was like a middle of the road nine and seven team eight eight seven and nine before uh, Pete Carroll figured out the success that he's had with the Seahawks now, but yeah, no, definitely a real fan. I've been watching it for a long time, so I, you can, we can. This was totally before they were good. I think, I, I think one of my favorite memories actually is my dad was at the Snow Bowl game with the Raiders, and I remember being at home watching the game, and it was like snowing like crazy, and my mom was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm watching the game." So it was I, fun. That's awesome. I remember. Um... I was watching that one live as well. My dad was not home. He, he was working for the state at the time and he mm. did snow plowing. So my mom let me stay up because we obviously weren't going to school the next day. Yeah. Um, and I remember that one vividly. Um, and no, of course, I'm just busting chops. Obviously, if you're from totally. Boston, I have to assume you've been a, a fan longer than the last 15 years. Totally. Um, but hey, there's that, some people who can't make that claim out there right now, though. You know, some people who were born in the, uh, in the era of Brady. So there's, there's some... Eight, what, 18, 19-year-olds walking around out there who have only known greatness. Absolutely, and that's true. And it's nice. You, I mean, I'm a Mets fan, so the first time, if they ever in my lifetime win a World Series, will be the greatest day of my life. Um, I can already guarantee it. I'll write that check now. Hopefully, I can cash it soon, but but we'll see. And also, again, just going, again, really wanted you to get into your story, but you say a couple things that makes me makes me think of the PR in you. And it's interesting how you call it the snowball while everybody else calls it the tuck rule game. Now, we don't have to get too deep into that, and that's not something we need to get into, but just wanted to point that out. I think you're, you're using your words correctly, and I think that's the, uh, that's the public relations in you. So did you always, was working, as you said, you know, growing up with the Boys and Girls Club, again, shout out to them. 
for everything that they do all across the country. I think it's incredible. I've met multiple people in your position who have utilized that program in some way, shape, or form. But was it always a goal of yours to work in sports, or was it something that the older you got, the more you realized, hey, this is something I could potentially do? Uh, I actually grew up wanting to be a sports writer and I was a, uh, this is another boys and girls club thing, but I actually like managed the news. I created like the boys and girls club newspaper in my local club and we used to write stories and it was like four pages long, a little pamphlet and I would write and edit sports, but I also edited the whole thing. Um, and then the, I remember there's a guy, Brent DeBraga, who is actually the uh, direct club director in Lunenburg, Massachusetts now, but he went out of his way to get in touch with the national organization. And they had a program called YouthNet at that point. Um, and they flew me down to the headquarters in Atlanta and kind of trained me up on how to be a reporter. And I got some really cool opportunities to do some interviews with uh, Johnny Damon. They actually sent me to the all-star game in Pittsburgh. I'm blanking on what year it was, but I met like AJ Prasinski, Derek Cheater, uh, quite a few guys back then. I was on the field when Ryan, um, Ryan Howard uh, won the home run derby. So that tells you how long ago that was. Um, but yeah, and then ever since then, I really kind of always knew that I wanted to work in sports. I really did want to be a sports writer. Um, and then I kind of got into high school, got a little older, realized I'd make more money if I worked in public relations. So decided to make the switch from journalist to PR but knew there was an opportunity to kind of help tell stories from the brand side rather than the day-to-day -day of what the beat writers are out there doing um, and kind of really show the intersection of sports with culture, entertainment, lifestyle, and, you know, technology and really live within that world. Yo, again, shout out to the Boys and Girls Club. That is an insane opportunity they gave you that young. That is yep. a shout out. What was his name, Brad? If you right? Brent. Brent, Brent. Braga. Shout out, Brent. That is incredible. I mean, yeah. clearly, I don't know, you know, if you guys have stayed in contact or if you've we talked. Have. Yeah, we I was going to say, if he doesn't know how much of an effect he had on you, you know, moving forward after this many years, first off, let's tell him. But that is so cool that he had the, the wherewithal to be like, hey, let's just see what happens. And you were able totally. to do something like that and, and really just. You got to interview all like Derek Jeter and Donnie, Donnie, uh, yeah, Donnie Damon uh, and all that's they insane. Put out, they used to have this magazine called Connections, and I don't know if they had it that they used to, the National used to distribute to the local uh, organizations. And I, uh, there's a photo of me in it, and I still actually have a copy of me with Derek Jeter, which was funny as a Red Sox fan. Yeah, but, I was going to say. Uh, there's a really great photo of the two of us together. Um, yeah, and then. The, it was cool when I did Damon too because the local newspaper, the Metro West Daily News, followed me, and there's like a big story about me in the Metro West Daily News with a photo of me interviewing Johnny Damon on the cover of it. So it's funny. That's adorable too. Right. What you're, you know, fifth grade or whatever at the time, yeah, even like, uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's a good story, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Again, shout out to Brent. That is incredible, and, and clearly, again, sent you on a pretty cool path um, from a young age, and and I guess. As you were saying, like, yeah, you're going to make more money unless you're, you know, Stephen A. Smith, you're going to make more money in PR and on the business side of sports than you will really on the journalist side, especially now with the way, you know, the, uh, you know, clicks have taken over and, and how much, how little revenue is starting to become in the sports media game. Obviously, there's still some there, but it's, it's really at the top, it seems like. So with, with understanding that, was, was that how you decided where to go to school? Is that how you decided where to go? with your first job and saying like, all right, I want to work in sports PR. Obviously the writing aspect is still there in some capacity, which is nice. Yep. So did you kind of make sure that you were kind of tailoring everything you did from that point on? You know, it was interesting. I actually really didn't even start out in sports PR. I started out in tech PR. 
And I think, you know, it's kind of just a lesson of like master a skill and then you can take that skill and it's transferable to another industry. And, and I think, you know, I went to Salem State University. My dad went there. There was an opportunity for me to be able to play lacrosse there. So I went and did a year of lacrosse and then really dove down into my studies um, and then got an opportunity to go work at Mullen in Boston, which was my first job, really heavily on Olympus and Bose doing cameras and headphones. And then from there, went to Allison and Partners, uh, where I spent a lot of, and that's really where the sports career started. I think I was doing a lot of tech work just because I was brought on to do work with Samsung and their camera division, as well as their laptops and monitors. Um, but then there was an opportunity that kind of opened the door for me to help ASICs do some athlete media relations around the New York City Marathon. It was Dina Kasser at that point. She was uh, doing some interviews with her. Um, I think she was running that year. Um, but, you know, in Auburn, that's really kind of what opened the door. And then I realized that it was something that I really wanted to pursue. And Allison Partners was great. And they gave me an opportunity to try and help create and build something because it wasn't necessarily a capability that they had at that point. Um, and, you know, I think that opened up the door to some really awesome projects from Nike to, you know, sponsorship work with Danon and Advanced Auto Parts, the TV12 work that you mentioned, you know, parlaying some of my technology experience from Samsung to be able to work with brands like NextVR, who live broadcast NBA games in virtual reality, um, or Zep, who made a sensor that went on your golf club that would help you improve your swing. And, you know, I think there are some countless others that I can probably rattle off. But, you know, I think that really opened the door. And all the while, I still kind of kept that technology background. And I worked with Samsung in their mobile phone division, actually worked on uh, the Note 7, and then the launch of the S8, which was the first phone after the recall that they had. So, you know, there was it was a nice kind of dual path. But I think it's helped me get to the point of where I am because it was a good opportunity and not only learn how to do sports PR, but learn how to do PR in general and do it well and build relationships and write press releases and develop messaging and work through complex issues. All those skills are, are very transferable. So there's a good opportunity for people to be able to, you might have a passion for something and you might not be able to start in it right away, but if you get your foot in the door, you know, you can take that skill somewhere else. And I think that's very, very important to utilize. There's been multiple people that I've had on the show um, that have done that same thing where their goal was to do something. They didn't quite get a job doing that immediately. So they tried to learn as much as they could in that industry, at least. So being PR, um, and then be able to transfer that, which I think is really important. And obviously, you went over a couple that I do have here that I, I want to get a little more in depth on, specifically the Note 7 and the TV12. But uh, no, definitely, um, I guess those first couple jobs, especially uh, Mullen Low, if I'm not mistaken, is that how you yep. just, yeah. yeah, it was just Mullen at that point. Oh, okay, very cool. So they got a little bit of an upgrade. Someone ate somebody else. What was it like? Again, working on a brand like Bose, to me, Bose is a sports brand at this point. So I know it's like a technology and, you know, it's very high end. But to me, I feel like a lot of athletes and a lot of people, especially now with like the NFL deal and all the stuff they have. So what exactly did you learn, I guess, before a lot of the sports integration or, or was that not quite there? Tell me a little bit about that story. Yeah, I mean, that project really at that point, that was a few years ago, was helping them with just a little bit of project management um, for those guys. And listen, at that point, like I'm an assistant account executive paying my dues. Like I was helping them translate press releases in different languages because they were trying to build a new press room um, as well as like helping with coverage grids and daily coverage recaps. So like at that point, 
you know, I was embedded in their offices to do a lot of admin. And I did that for about six months before the Allison and Partners opportunity came up, you know, but, and actually, you know, now that I think about it, going back, I did work at 47 on 47 brand while I was at Poland. And that's when they, uh, the NFL had split up the contract from Reebok. So we took, um, it was, it was a cool opportunity. We, you know, held a party in New York city, invited some media to come out, Paul Lucas at UniWatch at the time. And I think that was still affiliated with ESPN at that point, uh, came out and wrote a story about the 47 brands apparel. And then, you know, that was also a really cool opportunity. I have 47 brand written down as well. So I think that's pretty interesting. And yeah, I guess it, it does, it does depend on when you're working on these, right? Like you could say you're yeah. working on Samsung now, or you could say you worked on Samsung during the note seven crisis, um, exactly. which is you're, you're probably going to learn a little bit more about PR uh, during that, that time period. So definitely, totally. definitely excited. So what the, the Allison and partner opportunity came about, um, did someone reach out to you? Cause I feel like that doesn't happen super often and you're then moving down to New York city. So how did, how did that transition happen? Yeah. So the Allison partners piece was really interesting. It, you know, it's, it's a good lesson in finding good mentors and people that you want to work with. And I had a mentor by the name of Charles Leone, who's actually still at Holland, who uh, was in our New York office. And he was somebody who really took me under his wing and he moved to Allison and partners. And I actually was like, dude, I want to keep working for you. I love working with you. Like, let's figure this out. And, I called me one day and he's like, if you'll move to New York, I got a job for you. And, and I had an opportunity to go down there and continue to work with him. And he's still a good friend and a good mentor to this point. So it's, I think for me, it's about the, my career will always be trying to be centered around working with good people and working with good clients. Cause I think that is the most important thing. Uh, as you look at your career, you want to be passionate about what you do, but you also want to be in a positive environment working with people and, that there's a lot of opportunity to to grow with because you might find some of those people become your best friends over time there's a lot of people i work with samsung mom who i still talk to almost every day and they're great friends and, and you know people that i would partner up with again with other opportunities in the future i love it and that's that's a really really great piece of advice i mean obviously again you've made some really good friends along the way and as i asked before like are you still friends with brent and you're like yeah actually i talk to him all the time still now that you usually don't, that's why I ask, because you usually don't see that, right? You don't see, you know, the guy that helped you at the, the Boys and Girls Club that you're still connected to X many years later. So I think it's really cool. And it's a testament to how, how serious you are about building relationships, but not yep. just building them, but continuing to keep them well after they are, uh, it might sound a little, uh, you know, a negative way of saying it, but are, are useful to you because that makes no sense. They may be, you know, you may be able to utilize that relationship and they may be able to utilize your help moving forward. So actually building and keeping those relationships is very important. Yeah. And I mean, there's a quote that I saw recently that it's like, you learn the most about people by the way they treat those who can't do anything for them. And I think, you know, when you're in a relationship business, that's something that you should always think about and really keep in mind because, you know, not every you shouldn't go in every single relationship hoping something comes out of it because that's not always going to be the case, but you're going to be a, a happier person. And probably more connected over the long run if you're willing to if you can just be a good person and just connect with people for the sake of connecting with people mm -hmm. rather than them just being able to do something for you 100 percent, i completely agree that's how i try and keep most of my relationships or, or that's how i start them i legitimately you know i reached out to you or you know i was legitimately interested in what you're doing and a new job you had and you know here we are just a few short weeks later um getting to talk about you know kind of 
that, I guess, relationships and building totally. them and, and continue keeping them. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's definitely very interesting. So as you said, you want to work with smart people. You want to work with good people. You're willing to move from Boston to hated New York city, or at least I assume you hated it. Um, what was like, what was that transition? Like just from like a life standpoint, you know, being only a few years out of college and starting this new job in a new city. Uh, it was scary. Um, I, you know what? It was funny. I was like, I'm taking this job. I had two weeks to give my notice and find a new apartment. My best friend from college uh, came down to New York with me. We hopped in a car, drove down. Uh, first apartment I saw in Hoboken, I put a deposit down. And I was like, all right, I got an apartment. I went home, figured out how to pack all my stuff up. Same friend helped me move to New York, helped me pack up a U-Haul and drive down to New York. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a whirlwind. And I think, you know, for the first year, I was just trying to get my legs, just trying to figure it out. I was I gave myself food poisoning like three or four times because I didn't know how to cook. And it was, it was a learning lesson oh, for no. sure. It got to the point where I was just eating like mac and cheese and hot dogs because I'm like, I can't screw this up. Oh, dude, that's pretty funny. We don't need to talk too much about that. Food poisoning is <laughs> the worst knock on wood. I, I, yeah. I think I've only had it like once, so hopefully never go. again. But uh, yeah, man, just got to cook chicken all the way through. No pink. Yeah, exactly. No pink. Yeah. So that's good. Um, you learned the lesson. It might've taken a few times that you've learned the lesson. I think that part's very important. And, and from your time with Allison partner, Allison and partner partners, you started as assistant account executive and made your way up all the way to account director. Now yeah. I'm sure these titles mean different things in different places, but sure. that is multiple levels. I mean, assistant account executive to account executive account manager to account director. Obviously you're moving up the chain of command in five years being there. What, what is, what do you think that is a testament to, you know, coming to a new city, coming to a new place, a new play, uh, you know, a new business and really essentially each year getting a promotion and moving further up the chain. Uh, it's a mix of good leadership and a lot of hard work. I think the way to be successful in an agency environment is, you know, be open to taking criticism, really focus on the things that you need to work on. Um, especially when you're in a PR, I think early on, the best thing that you can do is develop solid media relationships to get coverage. And then eventually when you're the one bringing all the coverage opportunities to the client, then they trust you and they go to you for advice and you become more senior as you build those relationships. Um, and you know, it eventually just gets to a point where you're seen as somebody who can keep the clients happy, keep the coverage coming in, keep the trains moving on time. Uh, and that's really what helps you grow um, and develop. And, you know, I think, from that point on, then it's also about the opportunity to, you know, help go find some other brands that might need some help and, and, you know, really be able to showcase what you're able to do for those brands. I think that is very important. And yeah, again, in the PR industry, you want to get the PR out and into the hands of people so that they can distribute it amongst the masses, right? And we'll dive a little bit deeper into exactly what that looks like and how it works, uh, especially now with what, with what you're doing at Burke. But what, I guess, what was your mindset during those, that five-year period? Was it to understand, hey, I'm eventually going to go in-house, so let me learn everything here? Was it, I'm just going to put my head down, do whatever's told? And how did that mindset change over those five years, especially with changing positions? Um, you know what? It was interesting. I think for me, I was hungry early on, and I always kind of just wanted to get to the next level. So I was always looking at like, okay, what's the job description above me? And what are the things that I need to like master on my current job description, but then start pulling up. And I got really focused on that, hyper-focused on that. Um, and, you know, I, it, there was a point where I thought I was going to stay at AMP and be a partner someday. Um, but, you know, then there was also an opportunity where I was at kind of the end of my time at AMP. I was doing a mix of sports work and a mix of tech work. 
Um, and then, you know, the new era opportunity popped up and I was like, you know what, this could be something really good that I could learn a lot from and kind of develop a new skill set. Cause I think there's some really great opportunities when you're in house to kind of set strategy in new ways and really just have more time because you don't have any, as many things happening on a daily basis. So you really have more time to dive in and learn a business. And from there you learn how to be a more strategic PR person, which is now serving me in my new role because I, there's an overarching level of strategy that I just understand now because I had that opportunity to be in house and really dive into a brand and manage something from nuts to bolts where a lot of times, you know, some of your clients will just kind of hand you a plan and ask you to execute it. And for some brands that works, I think, you know, from my perspective with an agency seeing that, you always want your agency involved in strategy because they're the ones who are talking to media on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, there were some really good opportunities for me to take some key learning lessons that are now helping me. And you, it's like you're looking at my sheet because you're answering all my questions before I ask them, but at least I appreciate it. Uh, you're, you're a smart guy. So I guess also I don't think my questions are like anywhere, uh, you know, out of this world. So I think you can kind of see where I'm going with a lot of this stuff, but oh, I do appreciate it, Alex. And I think, again, just some of the stuff that you've been able to do, I think is is really, really cool. And then oh, the, la- the last thing from, uh, from Allison and Partners, definitely have to ask about working with the TB12, uh, TB12 method, TB12 company. I mean, was that just a dream come true for you, man? Uh, yeah, no, that was a really exciting opportunity. Um, and you know, it, it was just an interesting one in and of itself, because I think that that book had a lot of different things in it. And I think, you know, we really, there were a lot of stories out there by the time we started working with them. So I think we were, you know, really tried to focus and just find some good angles in there and really dive into some of the, the science of nutrition lessons, because there are some good, really good nutrition lessons. And it was a good opportunity to actually bring some people up to their center in Foxborough and let them experience what it was all about and do some really good experiential storytelling. So now I have to ask you, where's Tom Brady going? Uh, Tom Brady is going to stay with the Patriots. That's yeah, I, th- I think so too. I think it's yeah. ridiculous. The media is the worst. Um, I, I don't get it. Of course, he's going to stay with the Patriots. At least that's my opinion. We'll see what happens. And totally. Hey, it is what it is. I just had to ask, right? I got you on here. I might as well ask, right? And hey, I think this. No, yeah, no. I think as a, I kind of go back to I, it's interesting. There are a ton of stories out there, but I, I call out one example is there are all these stories about how the Pats uh, director of personnel development. Nick Casario hated Belichick and he wanted to leave and he wanted to get out there. And then like two months ago, he signed an extension and it was like, it's like, all right, so did he want to leave and did he hate it? Did he want to go be the GM in Houston? Cause it doesn't seem like that. So I'm sitting, you're hearing all this information and I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm not going to buy into anything until it happens, but it's dominating sports talk radio. It's almost to the point where I'm like, guys, like the Celtics and Bruins are good. Can we talk about something else here? Exactly. I completely agree. It's starting to get ridiculous. And I, I kind of just roll my eyes at it um, as often as possible. So after um, Allison and partner, obviously, you have five incredible years there. What as you said, you wanted to go to new era because it was an opportunity to really be able to dive significantly deeper on the strategy aspects and doing a lot of things as an in house um, person within within new era. What as you said before, you wanted to work with great people. I assume there was great people there, but was there a particular person or was there a particular event that really led you to say, okay, I'm going to leave this situation where even as you said, hey, I might be here forever to, all right, now I want to go in-house at, at you know, a, a cap company. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about New Era is really the opportunity it offered. There aren't many companies that give you that much exposure to the major leagues. 
Um, and that was something that I was huge and I knew it was going to propel because I think when you pick up the phone and call a journalist and say you're calling from New Era, they'll listen because they know you have that type of access. So, you know, knowing that they had athletes and ambassadors that we could leverage, knowing events like Super Bowl draft, MLB All-Star game that were out there to leverage, there are some really fantastic opportunities to be able to do some cool things. And I think that was really a huge draw for me um, and a big reason into why I said, okay, you know what, this might be a good opportunity at this time. And so uh, that is awesome. Obviously, you you get to create your new relationships in a slightly easier way, as you said, yeah. just because you're calling from somewhere that people want to listen and they want to then disseminate that information. What did you learn again over that 18, 19 month, however long to almost two year period, just about, I guess, the strategy side of being able, again, to really dive a lot deeper into a brand and be able to kind of see, as you said, uh, you know, uh, nuts and bolts of the whole thing? I think there's a lot of time where people focus on the quantity of the clips that you're delivering and the quantity of the press hits that you're getting. And I think for me, it really showed like sometimes one just really good story is enough. Like you don't need to, to get your message out there. Like you don't need 55 stories about your brand. Sometimes you just need, really need like one solid story that's got some good quotes, some good message pull through and good photos. And it's almost more worth it to take the time to off build a package that one media outlet is going to get excited about versus like trying to pitch things to a million different people and offer them all these things. Sometimes it's better to just package it all up at once and present it in one uniform package. That's actually really great information, I think, because again, depending on who that media source is, that information will, again, with Twitter and with the internet, that information will go as far and as wide as that, that one single media source can push it, right? So I'm sure you saw totally. multiple um, examples of that. And again, being able, as you said, work with the Super Bowl, working with the major leagues, you know, working with all these different opportunities, brand ambassadors, you know, these athletes, I think that is, is really cool. So as you said, while you were there, you had someone like Jimmy G that was on the team that you utilize as brand ambassadors. I guess from a PR standpoint, how do you utilize brand ambassadors the most, specifically talking about these athletes? I mean, I think one really great example is uh, for the NFL sideline collection last year, we, you know, did a story with Christian McCaffrey and his father, Ed McCaffrey in USA Today that ran in print. It was a great piece about, you know, the sideline collection and what was happening. Um, and, and that launch is New Era was supporting the NFL's 100th anniversary with this NFL sideline collection, which was based on the decades that each of the teams were founded. And it was an interesting opportunity because here we have our ambassador, Christian McCaffrey, whose father actually played in a different decade in the league. And there's just a really good conversation. And it was a great story about how uh, you know, the differences in what fashion on the sideline looked like when Ed McCaffrey played versus what Christian things look like now with Christian. Um, and, you know, I think that was, a, it's one of my favorite stories. It's a really great example of how you can leverage ambassadors to bring a message in a way that authentically ties back to a product. Yeah. And authenticity. I mean, you know, obviously I, I work a little bit more in marketing than I do in PR and authenticity is a word that, you know, it's, it's a buzzword, but I think it's the, the, the real it's the truest form of, of what content should be and, and, and in reality. And, and I think it's funny, you know, what, what things look like with Christian McCaffrey and you just look at his quarterback and Cam Newton and some of the crazy, crazy fashions he comes up with. I'm sure totally. we're a little different, little different than they were in Ed's day. So uh, it's always interesting to, to see that. And I know, again, you were, you were at a new era for a couple of years. Um, yep. you, did, you did eventually leave and went back to the agency world. Yeah. Work. Um, what, what is the story there? Did you kind of get what you could out of the job or, or was there just not enough room to, to improve or advance or anything along those lines? 
Uh, you know what? Surprisingly enough, I kind of just miss the agency life. I don't know why some people would tell me I'm crazy, but I miss some of the variety that was out there and opportunities to do different things. And there was an opportunity to come to Burke and there are some fantastic people here um, working on some really great business. And it's a good opportunity, uh, you know, to be able to come in and, and you know, help grow and build an agency uh, that's, you know, working with some really great clients. So, yeah. PR Burke for me, man. Tell me a little bit about it. What, uh, what, what, sure. who are you guys yeah, working absolutely. with? What are you doing? So Burke is about 20 years old at this point. Um, you know, we are an agency that's really at the heart of culture and, and sports and entertainment. You know, we do work across um, food and beverage, travel, sports, uh, entertainment, music with clients that, you know, both on the brand side like Puma and Rock Nation, um, as well as like individual talent like Michael Rubin and Jai you know, there are some really, you know, just cool opportunities and cool things that we're connected through just because of some of the people that we work with. It's and I love great. it. And yeah, you've been here for a couple months now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. So still got a long ways to go. I'm sure you sure you got a couple couple more years in you. But as the VP of sports. <laughs> Retirement is about 40 <laughs> years away, right? Give or take, give or take. I think we're right around the same age. So yeah, we got we got a little while. But um, you know, hey, we're going to enjoy every second of it, right? So exactly. as, as the VP of sports, what, what are you know, obviously you're working with the sports industry, as you already named Michael Rubin. I think it's interesting, you know, owner of Fanatics, if I'm not mistaken. And then as well as JHI, some of these other incredible athletes that you're working with too. What, as the VP of sports and, and really getting your, your, I guess, wheels underneath you in these first couple months, what are you starting to take advantage of on the agency side at Burke to really make sure you're, you're pushing forward for these clients? Uh, you know what, I think for me, it's just kind of leveraging relationships and, you know, working with the team here who's fantastic to, you know, really create programming that cuts through in ever changing media landscape. I think the media landscape right now is super interesting. We saw Sports Illustrated lay off half their newsroom. We see print magazines closing down all the time. Um, in including Men's Journal, which is the most recent. And I think, you know, it's getting harder to tell stories. There's stats out there that PR people outnumber um, uh, journalists about six to one. So, you know, it's, it's becoming harder to tell stories and, you know, really working with the team to come up with creative and compelling story angles that drive results for our clients. It's always is, the most important thing. That's an interesting t- statistic. Um... And a little scary, I guess. I mean, again, with, with a lot of publications closing, you know, at least their print side, there's yep. still the opportunity for online and digital content. And with the internet getting faster and faster, it seems, every day, how much more are you guys pushing the video aspects rather than those, I guess, written long-form stories? I mean, I think that's becoming more important for clients on a daily basis. I think sport, especially in the sports world, like podcasts have become the second evolution of sports talk radio, right? It's something digestible. It's something that people can listen to on their commute. People are listening to podcasts um, more than they ever have. I think there's a, there's a, I saw an article that Barstool, their podcasts make up about 30% of their revenue at this point. So it's, it's continuing to grow and, you know, that is really an opportunity where clients are focused. And we've had clients who are saying like, yeah, we want to be on these cool podcasts that are out there. These things that are really influencing people, you know, both in the sports world, but then in the business world and entertainment, you know? So I think that is something that's definitely a focus. I think the way that I'm pitching people has changed, you know, I'm not necessarily saying, Hey, do you want to write a story about this thing? I'm like, Hey, I've got this person, like maybe we can do a video, maybe we can do a podcast. Like let's, let's talk about what you need to, to make something happen. I very much believe in more dynamic content and, and being able to that you're going to get big wins for brands. Um, if you're able to work 
to create, you know, videos and, and podcast opportunities. But I also think it's tough because, you know, it is a source of revenue for some of these media outlets. And, you know, that you have to balance that earn line between what people are going to ask you to pay for. Yeah, 100%. That's true. And yeah, the bar, barstool model um, has taken a lot of people by storm, but they were been able to build something and do something very specific that you can't just kind of start a podcast and be like, hey, I'm going to be barstool. It doesn't quite work like that. They've done totally. something over a specific period of time. And yeah, I'm sure that's nice and close to your heart, obviously, being a Boston guy. Um, I don't know if you, you were outside those train stations when Dave Portnoy was hanging out his newspaper or anything, but uh, that would be a, that'd be a pretty cute story if you did have it there. Um, and then I guess with, with what you're doing now, I think it's incredible. And I always am interested in like a, what's the day to day like in PR? Like it looks glamorous. We've always seen, you know, the movie stars are their PR people and everything, but I'm sure it's, I'm sure there's a lot of grind to it as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, the day to day in PR, it changes every day, man. No days the same. Some mornings I come in, it's hair on fire running around trying to get stories placed. Someday I'm building decks, writing strategy. Um, some days I spend the entire day on the phone, just advising clients. So, you know, it's an interesting world and things, things change every single day. So you got to be, you got it keeps you on your toes. But I think that's also the people who thrive in a high pressure environment do well here and in PR roles because it, it is never the same and it's, it never gets boring. And that's the exciting piece of it is, especially in the agency world, you're always going to be working on new brands and new projects and, and it's it just changes every day it's got to be enjoyable that way man i mean yeah. I'm, I'm an organized chaos kind of guy so i 100 exactly. percent see where exactly. you're coming from on that um and then the last question for you man i mean i know you and i spoke about it a little bit i don't know how deep you want to get into it but you know what's what's the pie in the sky view of alex like are, are, are you one day is your goal to own your own agency is it to become a partner at some you know the agency that you're at or maybe another maybe go back in-house for a little while working for the nfl let's say so do you have any uh do you have any inklings on what you kind of want to do in the next few years um you know i think i don't want to put it out there quite yet because i'm really not sure what it looks like i think i'm going to get my bearings here and see what works i think that's the beauty of a, a pr career too i think there are a ton of different opportunities you can stay on one track and, and be a partner at an agency you can go in-house and eventually become a chief communications officer somewhere and run the show i think for me coming off an in-house experience back to an agency experience i got a little bit of time to really kind of figure that out. Um, what I do know is that Burke is doing some phenomenal work uh, and there is a lot of opportunity here and there's a lot of room to grow. And I think that, you know, people who are thinking about touching and, and towing in PR, whether it's something from a career or, you know, you're just looking for an agency, like we, that this is definitely a place that you should be looking at. Uh, cause I think we're going to be on the rise and there are going to be some cool things happening here in the, in the next few years that, you know, will will really put us on the map and turn us into a powerhouse. And that's something that I want to be a part of. Absolutely, man. And I'll make sure to, as I said before, include that job description in the, in the show notes. So Sweet. Alex, uh, really appreciate yourself. Actually, my last question is how do I PR this podcast? So more people listen to it. Oh man. Uh, listen, dude, I think you got to just keep going. You got some great guests out there and you got to continue to build that grassroots buzz. I think that's how podcasts are growing right now. It's just getting followers, getting people to listen, you know, it's starting, uh, you know, I would even say, you know, what can you be doing more on social, look at Instagram, look at Twitter, 
Um, but you know, make sure you're leveraging your guests to, uh, to really push things. I guess I might've just signed myself up there, but yeah, I mean, Hey, I'd hope so. It's your story. I hope you want to share it. If you don't, man, I must've done a really shitty job. No, but, um, I definitely want to share it. Awesome. I appreciate it. All right, Alex Pitakelly. Appreciate your time today, man. VP of sports at Brick Communications. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks, dude. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Alex. As I said, super cool getting to hear all of his stories, where he's come from, where he's going, and where he's gotten to. And we were wrong on the Tom Brady uh, stuff, if, as you heard in the beginning. As I said, this was uh, recorded a couple, just a few months ago now at this point. But absolute blast in having him on. Very grateful and, and look forward to continuing that relationship and that friendship moving forward. If you could, please make sure to give us a five-star review if you are on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That is the very, very important part of this. The more of those we can get, the better, and the more people can hear these stories, which is the most important part to me. So thank you all so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes.